Hello, and welcome to Easy Bake Takes. Takes, the podcast, where we read you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. I'm Riley. And this week, we're doing movies that made you want to study film, because if you don't know, we both studied film, so mm-hmm. I got a degree <laughs> to prove I have... If you if you didn't know by now. Yeah. If you couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> if we haven't talked about it before. We wasted four years studying <laughs> movies. A good four years, though. <laughs> it was a good four years. It was a good four years. Yeah. I failed math twice. <laughs> but, so I picked Donnie Darko, which came out in October of 2001, is rated R, is a sci-fi slash drama, and is an hour and 53 minutes long. If you haven't seen it, this is one of those ones where I'm like, go watch it and come back. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get it <laughs> until yeah, you, you do. You won't get it. You, you won't, won't get, get it. it. You just won't. I mean, you could watch it and still not get it. Um, that's kind of what happened <laughs> with me and Austin. I have an article of somebody explaining the confusion that people have. Mm. And I'll, I'll bring that up when we get there. Okay. But so the plot of Donnie Darko is on October 2nd, 1988, troubled teenager Donald Donnie Darko sleepwalks outside led by a mysterious voice. Once outside, he meets a figure in a monstrous rabbit costume named Frank who tells Donnie that the world will end in precisely 28 days, 6 hours, 42 minutes, and 12 seconds. Donnie wakes up the next morning on the green of a local golf course and returns home to discover a jet engine has crashed into his bedroom. His older sister Elizabeth tells him the FAA investigators do not know its origin. Over the next several days, Donnie continues to have visions of Frank, and his parents, Eddie and Rose, send him to psychotherapist Dr. Thurman. Thurman believes Donnie is detached from reality and that his visions of Frank are hallucinations symptomatic of paranoid schizophrenia. Frank asks Donnie if he believes in time travel, who, in turn, asks his science teacher, Dr. Monotov, Monotov, gives Donnie the philosophy of time travel, a book written by Roberto Sparrow, a former science teacher at the school who is now a seemingly senile old woman living outside of town, known to the local teenagers as Grandma Death. (laughs) Donnie also starts seeing Gretchen Ross, who has recently moved into town with her mother under a new identity to escape her violent stepfather. Frank begins to influence Donnie's actions through his sleepwalking episodes, including causing him to flood his high school by breaking a water main. Gym teacher Kitty Farmer attributes the act of vandalism to the influence of the short story The Destructors assigned by dedicated English teacher Karen Pomeroy. Kitty begins teaching attitude lessons taken from local motivational speaker Jim Cunningham, but Donnie rebels against these, leading to friction between Kitty and Rose. Kitty arranges for Cunningham to speak at a school assembly where Donnie insults him. He later finds Cunningham's wallet and address, and Frank suggests setting his house on fire. Firefighters discover a horde of child pornography there. Cunningham is arrested and Kitty, who wishes to testify in his defense, asks Rose to chaperone their daughter's dance troupe on its trip to Los Angeles. With Rose in Los Angeles and Eddie away for business, Donnie and Elizabeth hold a Halloween costume party to celebrate Elizabeth's acceptance to Harvard. At the party, Gretchen arrives distraught as her mother has gone missing, and she and Donnie make love for the first time. (laughs) So (laughs) fucked up. (laughs) When Donnie realizes that Frank's prophesied end of the world is only two hours away, he takes Gretchen and two other friends to see Sparrow. Instead of Sparrow, they find two high school bullies, Seth and Ricky, who are trying to rob Sparrow's home. Donnie, Seth, and Ricky get into a fight in the road in front of her house, just as Sparrow was returning home. An oncoming car swerves to avoid Sparrow and runs over Gretchen, killing her. The driver turns out to be Elizabeth's boyfriend, Frank Anderson, wearing the same rabbit costume from Johnny's visions. Donnie shoots Frank in the eye with his father's gun and walks home carrying Gretchen's body. Donnie returns home as a vortex forms over his house. He borrows one of his parents' cars, loads Gretchen's body into it, and drives to a nearby ridge that overlooks town. There, he watches as the plane carrying Rose and the dance troupe home from Los Angeles gets caught in the vortex's wake, which violently rips off its engine and sends it back in time. Events of the previous 28 days unwind. Donnie wakes up in his bedroom, recognizes the date is October 2nd, and laughs as the jet engine falls into his bedroom, crushing him. Around town, those whose lives Donnie would have touched wake up from troubled dreams. Gretchen rides by the Darko home the next morning and learns of Donnie's death. Gretchen and Rose exchange glances and wave as if they know each other, but cannot remember from where. The end. I didn't know Frank was Elizabeth's boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Does that ever make clear in the movie? She says, has anybody seen Frank at one point when they're at the party? It's vague. It took me like a few watches to realize Elizabeth had been dating Frank. I'm going to say, well, you know what? I'm going to hold that. I'm going to hold that until my opinions come up. Because 
Yeah. So <laughs> this this movie was directed and written by Richard Kelly, and the score was by Michael Andrews. And I just have to say, this is one of my favorite musical scores ever. The Liquid Spear Waltz, which is playing when Donnie is watching a football game with his, his friend and their dads, and he gets led by the spear to his dad's gun. Mm-hmm. The song that's playing during that is one of my favorite pieces of film score. Wow. That's awesome. The cast of this movie, Jake Gyllenhaal plays Donnie. Jenna Malone plays Gretchen. Mary McDonald plays Rose Darko. Holmes Osborne plays Eddie Darko. Maggie Gyllenhaal plays Elizabeth Darko. Davy Chase plays Samantha Darko. Jolene Purdy plays Charita. Beth Grant plays Kitty Farmer. Patrick Swayze plays Jim Cunningham. And also in this movie are Drew Barrymore, Seth Rogen, <laughs> Noah Weil, and more. It's kind of a crazy, like, the the people that show up in this movie. It's kind of like yeah. a crazy, like, little cast. Also, Jerry Trainer makes a yes. little... Ashley Tisdale. Ashley Tisdale's in the movie? I missed her. She's the one that says, how do I get my stepsister to stop eating so much? Oh, I don't I don't remember that. That's so funny. She has, like, brown hair. She's really oh, young. Oh, okay, okay. That's probably why. Probably didn't recognize her. Yeah, the most random people. And then, um, discount Joe Jonas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. To move on to the trivia for this movie, at the rap party for the film, Seth Rogen and Jake Gyllenhaal agreed that they had no idea what the movie was about. <laughs> I love that. Both of them would say that. <laughs> and then this is also Seth Rogen's first um, feature film. And the first line he says in this movie is, I like your boobs. So that's his first line in any feature film he's ever been in is, I like your boobs. It sets up his career. You know, it sets up his career is what we're it does. expecting from him. <laughs> I thought this was cute. Patrick Swayze wore his own clothes from the 1980s for the film. That's hilarious. I love that. And then I think they also, those like motivational videos, mm -hmm. they're filmed at his own, at his personal like ranch. I love that. That's so fucking funny. Yes. I love that. So development for this film began in late 1997 when Kelly had graduated from film school and started writing scripts. He took an early idea of a jet engine falling onto a house. He recalled a news story that he had read as a child, which he later called an urban legend about a large piece of ice falling from the wing of a plane and crashing into a boy's bedroom who was not there at the time and escaped death. Kelly insisted on directing the film himself and struggled to secure backing producers until 2000 when Drew Barrymore's Flower Films agreed to produce it on a 4.5 million dollar budget love it so that's why she was in the movie yeah but i love it i love that she's in the movie oh yeah oh yeah i love drew barrymore so much yeah me too i was really happy to see her and she mm -hmm. does have cool english teacher vibes she really does even though that one line yeah <laughs> sit by the boy you think is cute is what and like that is such a fan fiction <laughs> setup that would never happen i saw someone say i didn't include it but it was on letterbox and they were like if a teacher told me that i would just turn around and leave yeah exactly in no way is that <laughs> that's like, embarrassing it's so embarrassing unethical um weird gross gross and it's just like that is such a fan fiction setup that is so fucking funny yeah very much very much <laughs> so the film originally premiered on january 19th 2001 at the sundance film festival followed by a limited theatrical release on october 26th advertising was limited due to scenes featuring a crashing plane as the september 11th attacks had occurred a few months before the scarcity oh. affected the box office performance and it grossed only five hundred thousand dollars in its initial run dang mm -hmm. that's not a lot that it, no and after reissuing the movie it went on to grow 7.5 million worldwide mm. and the film went on to earn more than 10 million in u.s home video sales and gained a cult following that's good so it it eventually got its money back yeah but there are some autobiographical links with Kelly in the film. He said that there is plenty of me and Donnie's character. Kelly grew up in Middle Othian, Virginia, also a suburban town where a local woman named Grandma Death would stand by the road and constantly open and close her mailbox. That's creepy. <laughs> that is so creepy. And uh, yeah, very creepy. <laughs> yeah. So what I thought was kind of funny was the people that they approached to play Donnie. Uh, so Vince Vaughn was approached for the role of Donnie, but turned it down because he felt he was too old. Mark Wahlberg yeah. was, was also approached, but he insisted that he should play Donnie with a lisp. So they didn't cast him. Um, Jason Schwartzman accepted the role, but dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. I think he would have been good. I think he could have been a good Donnie. I think he could have done it good. Vince Vaughn. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so weird. Why would they pick him? Uh, 
I don't even I I don't even know why he was an option. Um, him or Marky Mark. Or <laughs> Marky Mark, yeah. But Jill Hall was mesmerized by the script and recalled pulling over to the side of the road to finish reading it. It was Jake's idea to have like he wasn't reading it while driving. I think okay, he was good, just, I thought like, that's what that was. <laughs> he probably had the script and was like, I really want to know what happens next. Yeah. And just pulled over and finished it. Okay. Um, but it was also Jake's idea to have his sister play Elizabeth. Oh, that's sweet. Mm-hmm. They're both amazing. They are. So Jake Hall also does this in the movie Nightcrawler, um, but he used the strategy of rarely blinking to enhance his psychotic creepiness as he is driven by Frank, Ugh. which I think is a little more noticeable in Nightcrawler, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize he had used that strategy here too. Yeah, that's really cool though. Because like I think in this movie, it goes back to him not talking to Frank, so it's not really something you probably don't notice it on the first round watching it. You probably have to watch it a few times. I've seen it a lot. Mm-hmm. Never noticed that. Oh, okay. But hmm. So Kelly recalled several people showing him drawings of what they thought Frank should look like, describing them like an Easter bunny. He wanted Frank to be disturbing and animalistic. He produced initial sketches of Frank's face and presented them to production designer Alex Hammond, who then made front and side drawings of the mask and sketches of the full suit. Kelly also said that the 1972 novel Watership <sighs> Down was also the inspiration for Frank. April Ferry built the Frank suit from scratch and hired a sculptor to create Frank's grin. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Like a Watership Down just popping up at the most random places it's it's random and it's weird and you're like well it makes sense if it's creepy it makes sense or <laughs> disturbing in some way it makes sense yeah. oh yeah we still gotta do that one yeah we do i've still never seen it oh you're for a treat <laughs> i don't know how we've made it this long without you making me watch it i know i thought you have seen it cinematographer steven poster remember people telling kelly that jet engines do not fall off of planes but during production in august 2000 a dishwasher sized engine part fell from the engine of a boeing 747 and landed on a beach haha <laughs> it does <laughs> what's this then what's hmm? this <laughs> explain how's that happen <laughs> Also, you can't just be saying that. You don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're a cinematographer. No, no. He didn't say it. People, he remembers people telling oh, the director okay. I that. thought he was going around set complaining to people like, this doesn't happen. I'm like, well, this isn't your job. <laughs> What's this then? What's this then? So Kelly published the Donnie Darko book in October of 2003. Jake Gyllenhaal wrote the foreword in which he comments on the confusing nature of the film. The book includes an interview with Kelly who discusses the process of making and marketing the film and questions about his personal life. The full shooting script of the film is included, plus several pages from the philosophy of time travel and photographs and concept sketches such as Frank's mask and slides from Cunningham school presentation. Hmm, that's interesting. You know, movies artsy whenever they they make a making of book. Making a book, it's like all like collages of different things. That sounds pretty cool, actually. I think uh, two years ago was the 20th year anniversary of this movie. And I remember Jake Gyllenhaal posting his like production binder. Oh, wow. From the movie. Yeah. That's cool. He kept it. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised you don't have that book. I didn't know it existed. Oh. There's also a direct... I've never seen the director's cut of this movie either. We might have watched that last night. I don't know if we did. I think you would know. Okay. So the director's cut includes 20 minutes of extra footage and an altered soundtrack and includes clips from Watership Down. Oh, no, we didn't see that. Yeah. That's weird. I want to see that. I want to see that implied. I don't I don't know why I've never watched the director's cut. I've never really like looked into the the behind the scenes stuff about this movie. I just watched it a lot. Yeah. Dang. And then lastly, there's a sequel following a grown-up Samantha in the universe where they they don't die in the plane crash. Mm-hmm. Is that his little sister? Yes. Okay. A sequel following grown-up Samantha called S. Darko was released in 2009 featuring Davy Chase, who is the original Samantha. And it is not good. <laughs> it is not good. I've it never really heard bad. of it. I bet it didn't do very good. <laughs> yeah. But that's the last trivia fact I have. So what are your thoughts? I remember in high school, we were sleeping over and you wanted to put this movie on. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I was out in 20 minutes. Yes. So <laughs> it's par for the course. It's part. Yeah. So I remember like starting this movie and it's a slow burn, in my opinion. It is a little long, but it is very quotable. It's got really funny lines. It kind of gave me sometimes American Beauty vibes. Like, yeah. It, like encouragingness, you know, like it just like, yes, these teenagers are like selling 
cellar door like that whole kind of thing yeah. like other stuff it was so quirky like um i think austin said it was like um who who did what's that movie called uh blue velvet or oh david lynch david lynch it kind of felt like that a little bit yeah it's a little lynchian like have you ever watched twin peaks uh no but like he does that too right mm -hmm. like it's quirky like that it's kind of weird like that it's almost like um i don't know there's just a weird air about it it doesn't seem like reality almost yeah it reality's altered in some way hyper reality version of like the suburbs oh, kind of like american beauty too where it's just like this heightened slightly otherworldly version of suburbia no yeah it definitely had that and yeah so there's a and there's a few moments of this movie where i was like this is kind of for its time you know like mm -hmm. it's got some cringy taking it too seriously lines but it's got some really good jokes in it too like it's got really great like funny lines in it yeah and i think this was kelly's debut film too it's it's a it's very much like a first movie like a first yes. film which which tracks that tracks i do take grievance that th this movie is kind of hard to understand mm -hmm. so we were watching the movie and at the end we were both just kind of confused like not confused because i i was he was like so what is the ending i goes time travel he goes yeah why and how i go the best i can give you is time travel that's the most of my answer. That's as much as I understand it. I'll get into this more whenever I get to the little, the article about, that explains things a little bit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I'll just, I'll save that for then. Okay. The reasoning makes it, the movie feel a little pretentious. Not gonna lie. Okay. Yeah. Not, okay. That doesn't shock me. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm missing something. I don't know what, but like, I got the concept. It's time travel. Like in a short answer, time travel. <laughs> So that's a little, I would take away a little bit from this movie. It's just like, it's kind of, it's convoluted the right word. Is that what I'm looking for? Or is it more just like foggy? I think convoluted is probably, there's a lot of like random information thrown around or seemingly random. The whole Elizabeth and Jake dating thing. Oh, Gretchen. I don't know how, you, yeah. I don't know how you can. Yeah, Elizabeth's his sister. Yeah, and Jake, right? They date. Donnie. Hmm. What? Oh, you it's Frank. Frank. Yeah. I wrote down Jake. <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry i got you my names <laughs> um so frank and elizabeth yeah they, that's such like a like i said took a few like took until watching it more recently to realize that that she was dating frank it's not clear in the movie it's just not yeah i mean if you watch it a few times and you hear her call for frank then sure but like is she seeing Frank too? Because like in my mind, I would have thought, oh, she does she see Frank too? Is that the whole point? Like, yeah. And then other than that, it's like, well, how does she know Frank? You know? And in the end scene, whenever they're like doing the little flashes of all the people that were affected by Donnie, they show Frank and they show like him with a drawing of the bunny mask. Mm -hmm. But that's it. So yeah, I can't I can't say more yet. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's that was something that I think is frustrating just knowing like oh no that's a fact about the film but it's like that is in no way made clear no yeah just say you didn't ever read anything about this movie and you just kept watching it like i wonder why she keeps calling for frank like how does she know frank is in no way implied that they're dating yeah that's completely understandable even really know each other i still enjoyed this movie it's its own vibe yes this is a good like party movie like you like hey everyone let's watch Tony darko if you're with the right group of people this is probably a good film to put on for everyone. Banger soundtrack, too. Banger soundtrack. You're telling me you're such a fuck-ass isn't such a, like, a perfect <laughs> line. <laughs> What's a fuck-ass? <laughs> the dad's just laughing every time she curses. So funny. <laughs> what did you think of the parents? Dad wasn't too bad, actually. Dad just gave me dad vibes, you know? But he seemed pretty supportive of him. He didn't know his doctor's name, but, like, he was... I think he was probably... It seems like his parents are trying. They're trying. And mom is too. I think mom just has a harder time understanding what's going on. Yeah. And communicating to him, which is understandable. He's I mean, a teenager going through some pretty serious mental issues, so... Mm -hmm. I do think that line where she's... He's like... What do you, how do you feel about having like a wacko for a son? And she's like, I love it. I think that's really sweet. They're trying. They're doing their best. But did you have anything else specific that you wanted to talk about? Um, 
not right now. I'm sure there'll be other things to pop up, but those were my initial thoughts, you know, through it. And just, like, trying to understand the movie as a whole, I guess. Uh, but I'm ready to hear about that a little bit more. Yes. So for me, this was a... I used to just, in my free time as a, like, young high schooler, I would go through the cult classic section of Netflix and just watch every movie that was on there. Yeah. I just loved going through that section. So I saw this movie. I watched it. Jake Gyllenhaal's adorable. So I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I've always, I think, especially at that age, liked this movie a lot more for the vibes than understanding it. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's just like a little weird, but like the vibes are fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's such a great explanation. There's some movies out there that you like, hey, I could explain it to you, but like, I just like the vibes of this movie. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, I think we've talked about there's movies that if it takes too much explaining, we're like, no, but like this movie, the vibes kind of save the confusion a little. Yeah. You like everything else about it. So yeah, like I love the score. I also love the soundtrack. It's like the reason I, I got into 80s music as a teenager. Mm -hmm. I also like this is the first time I saw Jenna Malone in something and I love Jenna Malone. The whole cast is great. I think like Drew Barrymore's character gets a little cringy sometimes. As do all cool English teachers in movies. Yeah. But yeah, like it's just a vibes movie. It's just a vibes movie. L literally, I did not fully get it until I read this description of it. Like I had never, the thing with me is like, I didn't watch this movie and go, oh, I didn't get it. So I'm gonna go look it up. I never looked it up. This is one of those movies where like, I convinced myself like, oh, it's just time travel. I don't really need to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need I don't to get need into the technicalities of what goes on in the movie. I just know it's time travel. There you go. <laughs> Donnie Darko's doing his thing. Just He's let him go. His thing is time travel. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those you could brush over explanations a little bit yeah especially if you're a teenager yeah but someone to go like but why explain this movie to me i couldn't yeah exactly exactly it's definitely not a movie that you could watch often because it is kind of it's it's darker toned it's dark it's a little depressing it has serious topics there's a lot kitty farmer has the funniest lines in this movie i seriously doubt your dedication to sparkle motion <laughs> she is really good at this and i was trying to figure out who she was she's dwight's nanny in the dinner party episode like the episode of the office she's in a lot of stuff she's in no country for old men she's also in little miss sunshine <gasps> i'm trying to remember who she is she is at the pageant i know exactly who she is she's in oh we're gonna we're gonna be doing that movie next week yeah she's gonna have a round too <laughs> that's so fucking funny yeah i don't have anything else specific to talk about other than just like this is very much like a you watched it as a teenager for the vibes <laughs> do you have anything else you want to add before i explain this movie to you uh no i'm ready to get ex i'm ready for the explanation okay so this movie had a an 87 percent from critics and an 80 percent from audience on rotten tomatoes and an 8 out of 10 on imdb pretty good pretty good and so i found this article linked in another review that i didn't end up using so it's from salon.com and was written by dan coy titled everything you were afraid to ask about donnie darko and he wrote this in 2004 so the setting we enter this film in is a tangent universe which is created spontaneously at midnight on october 2nd 1988 donnie's mission is to erase this tangent universe before it destroys the world which is 28 days away tangent universes according to the film's text the philosophy of time travel by roberta sparrow are highly unstable and can't sustain themselves for more than several weeks eventually collapsing into itself and creating a black hole and then there was a bunch of questions and he would answer them mm. so there was a question quoted that said yeah how the hell am i supposed to know this hardly any of this stuff was in the movie yeah and he says quote that's true many of my friends complain that to understand donnie darko a viewer needs to watch the movie listen to the dvd commentary crack the website in an interview kelly has said that he created the pages from the philosophy of time travel as an exercise in interpretation and that they are not intended to be read as canon nonetheless his inclusion of many book excerpts in his director's cut suggests that his feelings on the matter have changed and he intends them to be definitive so basically to understand this movie you have to watch the movie commentary read parts of the philosophy of time travel and watch the director's cut to fully understand it that's so fucking annoying <laughs> i think that's so annoying and pretend like you said pretentious and see i never did any of that nope time travel man that's what it is yeah. that's all you need to know <laughs> that's all you need to know <laughs> It's basically just like an alternate universe is created that's unstable. Yeah, and all this shit, crazy shit happens. He has to do something to save the world from imploding onto itself. What does he do, though? That's the whole thing. I think him shooting Frank is what resets everything. I think it's like a, I, I don't, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I try. I don't know. Stop asking me questions. I don't know. Breaking you down. Just like, but what? But what? What did he do? 
Obviously, That's I what's that was Austin last night to me. I was like, I don't know. It's time travel. I don't <laughs> know. I could let me open the article and see if <laughs> damn near a fight over it. <laughs> It's like, if you don't know, we just watched the same thing at the same time. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's my first. He had watched it before. So I don't know why he's asking me questions. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. Frank is the boyfriend of Donnie's sister, Elizabeth. Frank himself never meets Donnie until their fateful encounter on Halloween. The Frank who speaks to Donnie on the golf course and elsewhere is a kind of ghost of Frank. A remnant of Frank who, because Donnie shoots him in the eye within the tangent universe, 28 days, can move freely in time through the tangent universe. So he's the Frank that he's talking to is the Frank that he shot. Mm. And that's why the Frank that like takes off the mask has like his eye all fucked up. So this is like a alternate universe Frank leading him to basically, basically it sounds like Frank is saving himself. He doesn't do a good job. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's alive in when it flips back to the other universe. Oh, that's right. Because Well, all because Donnie dies. None of this yeah. ever happens because Donnie dies. So that's the weird part. When Donnie dies, no one else is affected by whatever else happened in the movie. One of the questions is, okay, I still don't get it. How exactly does Donnie deliver the jet engine back through time? I get that there's a time portal or whatever above his house and the jet engine falls through it, but it seems like it just falls off his mom's plane for no reason and they said quote i couldn't figure this out at all but thank god kelly explains it on the dvd commentary in addition to his super strength and super future sight and super sulking power donnie has the power of telekinesis he rips the engine off the plane himself no way is that actually real that's how the director explained it oh my fucking god and then it says person it says oh i didn't get that and then they said quote i don't know anyone who did end quote no <laughs> and i'm sorry if anyone lies anyone who says they did is lying yeah unless they went i saw the dvd commentary this is what he said happens mm -hmm. no way wow kind of annoying <laughs> really kind of annoying <laughs> and then the other thing i had written down about this writer this writer said that their interpretation is not the definitive interpretation of the movie like mm -hmm. basically you could interpret it any way you want to yeah well you have to because yeah was... yeah Although they said, though, although it seems like Richard Kelly is pushing the tangent universe narrative as the proper way to interpret the film. All right. <laughs> I would have been better off not knowing. Not knowing. That's annoying. Yeah. Hmm. That's like the whole thing is like, I was glad I never looked up the, the interpretation of this movie before. Yeah. <laughs> this, this made me more confused. Yeah. Same. It's not even stuff like to help you explain, interpret what's in the movie. The stuff being said isn't in the movie. It's just said. He's just he's just say, he's just making up shit that the movie in no way at all shows or hints at. That's annoying. Yeah, but without without this explanation, great, love it. It's time travel. That's it. Mm -hmm. Time travel. <laughs> time travel. Wormholes. Wormholes. I can get behind that. I don't know exactly, but I can't find it. I am fine with my knowledge of wormholes and time travel. Yeah. But so that was the ex explanation that I found. Just go in for the vibes. Don't go in for learning anything. <laughs> don't go in for the science. If you can't have an open mind, if you can't, if you can't let it go <laughs> in some movies, it's not the movie for you. Yeah. But I can move on to the actual, not actual, like the critic reviews of it, if you're ready to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first critic review I have is from Film Threat and is written by Chris Gore in November of 2001. And Chris gave this movie a two out of five. So they first say, quote, I firmly believe that no filmmaker actually tries to make a bad film. Pretty much everyone else in the industry goes into production with high aspirations and good intentions. And sometimes those intentions sound great when the idea is first proposed. Like, Hey, let's make an indie art film for teenagers. The idea sounds great in theory, but in the case of Donnie Darko, the final result is less than successful, though not for a lack of trying, end quote. And then they say, quote, Donnie Darko is filled with angst and his special effects laden dreams aren't helping anything. In the middle of all this contrived weirdness, Noah Wiley drops by, Drew Barrymore plays a teacher with no real purpose in the story, and Patrick Swayze <laughs> is revealed to be a self-help guru with an ominous dark side, end quote. It is kind of true. Like, I don't know why she is in the movie. I mean, I don't know. Well, all she really does is drop the cellar door hint and link up Gretchen and Donnie, I guess. That is actually her only two purposes in the film, which are weirdly specific. Yeah. And then they say, quote, Sure, the film looks good, but all I could think about as I watched the over-the-top digital effects-filled dream sequences is how great the trailer for this film was going to be. Ultimately, there are some really fascinating ideas that are explored in Donnie Darko. Too many, in fact. If only first-time writer-director Richard Kelly had simply settled on exploring just a few of those concepts within a coherent story instead of jamming in so many, perhaps the result would have been more successful. End quote. I can't say they're wrong. Well, there's a lot of things. There's a lot. Mm -hmm. But I'm not here for story. I'm not here for story. I'm here for vibes. I'm here for Jake Gyllenhaal and vibes. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> but they end with, quote, I guess what bothered me the most is the utter importance that was placed on every insight revealed along the way. As if the filmmaker were bashing you over the head to say, you better pay attention because parts of this film are really, really deep and meaningful. Well, for some, maybe, but not for me. This is really one of those Rorschach test films. You either love it or hate it. For those who loved it, I have only one word, overrated, end quote. I didn't dislike this movie as much as this person did, but they do have points. I understand how this boil this movie boils some people's blood. I wouldn't say it boils my blood. Well, no, not you. Oh, okay. No, no, no. But like, I would say personally me, like I wouldn't say it boils my blood. The DVD commentary, like the whole expression, that does. But the movie by itself, I do enjoy. There's some really, really deep and meaningful stuff in this movie. I, I, I just got American Beauty vibes, you know, just like the. Well, they're saying that's what the director is trying to push. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with them on that. Like, I just didn't yeah. see that. I just kind of saw it as cringy. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's overrated. I get why people love this. I get why people love this movie. But yeah, like it. It is definitely a movie where it's like I can forgive the confusion and contrivedness of the plot and the story because I just didn't enjoy the the ride of this movie. But I understand why people would really hate it. If you like a logical set story that explains itself, not the movie for you. Stop now. Yeah. <laughs> you can't handle it. Get out. Yeah. Get out of there. Get out now. <laughs> The next review I have is from the Massey Twins. Oh. So this is from Gone with the Twins, and this was written by Mike Massey. He gave it a 5 out of 10, saying, quote, The setup is interesting, though it's constructed with a bizarre blend of nightmarish imagery, high school pop rock montages, and unusual camera angles and fades, as if a John Hughes picture merged with Stephen King's aesthetic. There's a bit of poetry alongside the eeriness. Unfortunately, there's also a wealth of incongruent elements. The mystery of the rabbit apparition simply doesn't fit with the adolescent hijinks and the classroom romance involving new student Gretchen. It's very much as if two stories are being told and they don't belong twisted together, end quote. I do like the John Hughes picture merged with a Stephen King. Like, that's, a, that's an accurate description of the aesthetic of this film. Yeah. A dark John Hughes movie. Yeah, definitely. They also said, quote, At its best, Donnie Darko works as a channel for absurd rebellion, a fantasy outlet for hitting back at authority figures, end quote. Again, I, I think that's, um well, at its best. I don't know if it's at its best, but like it definitely has that, I would say. Absurd rebellion. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I think if this movie cut out or toned down the time travel part of it and just made it like Donnie is like a vigilante and that was more focused on, I think that like, like I kind of get what they're saying. Like those parts of the movie, like him doing vig vigilante things because of Frank, I think it just gets confused with the time travel stuff. Definitely does. It definitely does. And then they say, quote, Problematically, however, the adults, save for McDonald, who is sensational, rarely react in a believable fashion. They're either distinct stereotypes or comical caricatures, cheaply written to behave as surrogates for hopeful audience reactions. Many of the supporting roles also lack originality, though it's amusing to see the likes of Patrick Swayze, Drew Barrymore, and Seth Rogen in smaller parts. Additionally, if Donnie's detachment from reality and schizophrenia were the true source of Frank's manifestation, the plot would better conform to a sensible reality. Instead, Darko's hallucinations seem to take on a much more specific message, one of revenge and justice, as if guided from beyond the grave. The enigma is strung along until the very end morphing into something along the lines of a self-fulfilling prophecy but every ounce of creativity is met with an equal serving of disappointing nebulousness end quote so when they are saying like the uh, all the other characters were either distinct stereotypes or comical caricatures i thought that was part of it like like the absurdity like hyper reality yeah hi yeah so i i thought that was kind of the point of those characters like yeah, they're all super stereotypical or comical characters, like, but like that's kind of the thing. Like the Drew Barrymore scene where she's like, pick the boy, like you think it's cute or whatever. It's almost like a as if, you know, this is all in Donnie's head, he's making it up as he goes. That's what I guessed halfway through this movie. It's not reality. It's not real. Like, and you can sense that as a viewer. And technically this is supposed to be like an alternate reality too. So like I, if the director had said that, <laughs> you know, just said that, <laughs> just throw it in there once. Or emphasize that because it's this alternate reality, things are going to be weird. I will take that as my interpretation of it, but it does, it feels purposeful. So I don't, I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. I thought that was part of it. I wouldn't say that's a, that's a flaw. I just, I just picked it up and I was like, oh yeah, well, okay. Yeah. This is the characters we're dealing with and this is the reality we're dealing with, you know? Do you feel like the movie would have been more grounded if Donnie was seeing Frank be 
actually because of schizophrenia and detachment from reality? So my whole thing is my understanding in the movies was like he was both like he was dealing with his time travel stuff and he, he actually did have schizophrenia. That's what I assume. Like I thought it was both. And I understand how it's not because it's in the alter reality. Yeah, but it seemed like it had been a problem before for him. Yeah, and also like this does, I don't know if this applies, but you know, like the unreliable narrator kind of thing. That's what I was picking up from this movie. And I know he wasn't technically actually narrating, but like we were seeing. We have his perspective of the events. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I just thought he was an unreliable narrator in that kind of way. And just like because of this, and he is, I guess, but... I understand how it's all the, it's the altered universe that we're in or in the... It's like an unstable universe. universe. Yeah, the tangent universe. Like, it makes sense that's why he sees him. But like, I was along for the ride that he he was doing both. He had a lot of things yeah. going on <laughs> in this movie. I felt that it was made very clear that these are all things he has dealt with before. And he, he was like back to therapy. Like he, he literally says to Elizabeth, why don't you get, why don't you get mom and dad to pay somebody a hundred dollars so they don't have to hear your every thought. So like, yeah, this is a thing with him. Yeah. But was there anything else with that? Um, I don't think so. This is the last critic review I have. It's from the Austin Chronicle by Kimberly Jones in 2002, who gave the movie a 3.5 out of 5. And they say, quote, Donnie Darko is an unnerving, electrifying debut film from 26-year-old writer-director Kelly. So much here is equally baffling and beguiling. I caught myself leaning in toward the screen repeatedly, trying to somehow get closer to the gorgeous impenetrability of the story of the boy, end quote. Well, there you go. And then I really liked this explanation of his character. They say, quote, Joan Hall nails the itchy irritability of that age, the helplessness and heartbreak of being 16, and Kelly nails the distinct milieu of Donnie's world. The film wears its era well, but not winkingly, in the graceful details of Ocean Pacific t-shirts and Star Search and a Tears for Fears song, end quote. I think that's a good description. And yeah, I didn't think it was overly 1988. Yeah, it didn't feel forced or it didn't seem like the movie relied on it being the 80s. Yeah, it wasn't obnoxious about it. Yeah, it just felt like a stylistic choice. Yeah, definitely. That you, That's kind of like in the background, honestly, because... Even with Jake's character, I don't think I would have known he was in the he was a person in the eighties. When we were teenagers, we were wearing the same stuff that they were. That's the whole thing. Like, <laughs> it's like it's not that different. <laughs> mm -hmm. But they also say, "quote The supporting cast is filled with somewhat distractingly with stars, most of whom acquit themselves nicely, especially McDonald as Donnie's mother. Not especially Swayze in an uninspired, inspirational guru role. That's also Kelly's only truly uninspired move. Still, some of the secondary parts have the feeling of existing solely." to provide clues in order to make sense of the end. Well, to almost make sense. I've been chewing on the conclusion for days now and still haven't gotten it all worked out, end quote. You're not going to unless you watch the DVD commentary. <laughs> to read a book and watch interviews in a movie. You have homework to do. <laughs> there are assignments. They're due. I don't understand. What, what did they like about Patrick Swayze's character? They just felt um, the character itself was uninspired. It didn't feel like there was much thought put into the character, I guess. Mm, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But his character, that character is more of like, because this happened, this happened, because this happened, this happened. Like, you know, we didn't know, need to know that much about the character. Yeah. But they also say, quote, I left the theater rattled to the bone, stuck in one of those eerie quiets of desolation mixed with elation, a state of contradiction right in step with the film. Donnie Darko defies categorization, incorporating sci-fi, coming of age, dark, comedy, satire, first love. But what I think it boils down to is something deeply religious, end quote. If you really like this movie, I can see how you can see that and they they explain this a little further saying quote hints are scattered throughout the coming apocalypse a double bill that includes the, the last temptation of christ the sacrificial lamb motif donnie darko isn't a covert film or a pulpit for christianity in fact religion is only peripherally touched upon and yet spirituality is the very crux of the film it's about finding god whatever that may mean about the search for confirmation of an existence of a plan of a connection of a possibility of solace it's about proving grandma death wrong that's the elation the death comes from not knowing if the film has succeeded end quote mm, that's a very very good way to put this film yeah and i i never really thought of it that way um as like this uh sacrificial lamb motif because that's what donnie is he is yeah definitely very very interesting see i can get behind people like this is their interpretation and i love that and i'm sure it's it's more factual than but it's like I like that i can get behind that i can i like that description i like this I can apply that interpretation of this movie. Yeah, and, and in a way, it kind of helps explain a little bit more or give it a little yeah. bit more substance. 
to what I just watched. <laughs> yeah, like I, even if I didn't understand the um, time travel aspect of it, this as an allegory for what's going on in the film makes it make some sort of sense. Yeah. But did you want to say anything else about this review? Um, no, I I think this is probably my favorite one, especially this last paragraph. I think I just like any explanation that's <laughs> anything <laughs> not the not the director's <laughs> explanation. Of it. Honestly, I'm sorry. This is more satisfying than whatever <laughs> he was saying before. Yeah. So that was the last critic review. Are you ready to move to audience reviews? Yep. Okay. First review I have is a 10 out of 10 from IMDb titled Great Movie from 2005. Donnie Darko was a great and thought-provoking movie. Most people will probably not understand the movie the first time they watch it because they don't know what to watch for. But the second time you watch the movie, most will consider it a great and profound movie. Another way to understand Donnie Darko is to have someone that has already seen the movie to watch it with you and tell you which parts of the movie to remember towards the end of the movie. This is not a movie to watch if one does not like to think during movies. <laughs> Donnie Darko is also not a movie for the lazy movie watcher to watch. I normally like the easy-brained movies that require no thought process, but this is one thought-provoking movie that I give a 10 out of 10. As a lazy movie watcher, mm -hmm. I love this movie. It's, that's the whole thing. Like, I don't think this movie's... You don't need to understand it. You don't need to understand it to still like it. That's what we were saying before. That is so yeah. fucking funny. Honestly, this is a 10 out of 10 review. Like, honestly, <laughs> very good. Very good and accurate. <laughs> You'd think that they, it was, like, negative for them saying, like, watch it with someone who's seen it before so they could tell you what to look for. Exactly. And yeah. if you don't like to think during movies, <laughs> same. You won't like this movie if you don't like to think. Love it. That is a great review. And it's true. It's accurate. <laughs> it is. It, it really is. The next one I have is a four-star review from... <laughs> 2016 on Letterboxd. Me at a party. Okay, I'll have one drink. Me after said drink. First of all, Papa Smurf didn't create Smurfette. Gargamel did. She was sent in as Gargamel's evil spy with the intention of destroying the Smurf village, but the overwhelming goodness of the Smurf way of life transformed her. And as for the whole gangbang scenario, it just couldn't happen. Smurfs are asexual. They don't even have reproductive organs under those little white pants. That's so illogical, you know, about being a Smurf. What's the point of living if you don't have a dick? Oh my god. That's me too, though. <laughs> They're such nerds. Oh my god. What a nerd. That is my favorite sequence from this movie. Yeah. I love it. I love it, it, so it goes on for so long. It's so funny. A two and a half star from 2021 that says, What the fuck? Genuinely. Seth Rogen and fake Joe Jonas are the real antagonists of this. <laughs> P.S. Hi, Jake. Can I take you on a date? You were looking ra ravishing in that white t shirt. <laughs> I love Seth Rogen in this movie because like one he only has like two lines and one of them is I love your boobs. Second like in the final scene where fake Joe Jonas is sitting on Jake Jonah like got a knife to his throat and Seth Rogen's with the other two going huh you know he's like he's like waving the knife around just like way too like half-heartedly like it is so funny well, the funniest thing to me is at the very beginning of the movie when they're doing the slow-mo of everybody walking around school they're just snorting coke in their lockers they're snorting coke in the hallway the principal sees it and turns around and keeps going what was that about why did he do that <laughs> i had to do something the next review i have is a one out of ten from imdb titled interesting from 2003 not as good as some say and not as bad as others the kind of movie that really makes you think if you haven't spent much time thinking which is <laughs> same thing that the other the 10 out of 10 review was saying but that's so funny <laughs> which is probably why it's rated so high plenty of kids voting Jake Gyllenhaal does a pretty good job and Mary McDonnell is typically excellent Drew Barrymore is totally miscast but since she exec produced it I guess she cast it herself the politics stuff is totally out of place and ridiculous I liked the church and echo songs and the thought the music video segments were neato. An interesting film in an art for art's sake way. That's it. If you think it's one of the best films ever made, you need to see more films. Go rent Touch of Evil right now. What? You haven't seen Citizen Kane yet? Please stop voting on IMDb. But you know how I feel about Citizen Kane. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's my Citizen Kane. <laughs> this is my Citizen Kane. Also, I love it when they get so mad. Like, they act like the kids are obviously voting on these movies, so that's why the ratings are so high. Dude, why do you care? It's not that big of a deal. Like, they actually, they think it's like political polls. It's just like so fucking funny. It's just yeah. like, calm the fuck down. You didn't like it. That's fine. Oh, Touch of Evil's another Orson Welles movie. Dude, you put too many eggs in this basket. You shouldn't be allowed to vote on IMDb if you haven't seen Citizen Kane. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Shut up. Shut up. I, this is why I hate IMDb. <laughs> I do agree that it's like an art for art's sake kind of movie. Oh, definitely. They are right on that. And like really makes you think if you haven't spent much time thinking. True. <laughs> but it's still good. 
I didn't say I wanted to think. It's not for thinking, it's for vibes. If you think too hard, you'll hurt yourself. Yeah, honestly, you will. Honestly, do yourself a favor, don't think about what's happening. Yeah. This is like slightly back to the 80s like era thing. The political stuff is the only time that I think makes it feel like they're pushing the 80s stuff too hard. Yeah, but that's just to me for a second. That's just in the beginning for like a few minutes. Like they have a discussion at the table. Mm -hmm. And a family would be doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and remember at that point, especially at those points, they're still in the real reality. This is before the plane falls. Yeah, yeah. So it is before the Tangent universe starts. Mm -hmm. It's like very normal. And yeah, in reality, it's probably, it's real. Yeah. I know that this was just like a thing then, but anytime I, not anytime, like the, the dad sitting at, in front of the TV in the recliner and the national anthem's playing um, right before the TV goes staticky, it always reminds me of Poltergeist. Oh yeah, definitely. I know it was like a thing, like that was an actual thing that the TVs used to do, but like it always reminds me of Poltergeist. No, because I, I remember watching as a kid, Poltergeist, is, and I'd be like, why the, why is the TV static? Like, why does the TV go static? She goes, well, there were only like four channels at that time. And they would stop airing, yeah. you know, at a certain point. So it's just static TV. Like, there's nothing There's nothing on. Yeah. I go, so TV would just stop at one point? Did y'all sleep? Did y'all actually That's sleep? Like, 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 so like TV, you couldn't watch TV at two in the morning? Or it, it ended at some point. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what time. It was like, like midnight or something. Something like that. I don't know. But like, I was like, you couldn't watch TV at like four in the morning? Like, no. Starts back up at like 7 a.m. or something. I don't know. That's when the best crappy TV is on. I know. That's when they rerun all my favorite shows. Yeah. <laughs> That's when they used to play all the canceled Disney shows on Disney Channel. Mm -hmm. I woke up at 3 a.m. to watch the Little Mermaid Disney show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I used to, yeah, that and then the Timon and Pumbaa TV mm -hmm. show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what were uh, they doing back then? <laughs> they just, there was no Timon and Pumbaa at 4 in the morning? That <laughs> is so funny. It's so odd. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, this next one is a five-star review from Letterboxd from 2017 that says, The most unrealistic or unrealistic thing about this movie is that no one but two people would show up for an Evil Dead screening on Halloween. <laughs> Sounds really fake, but okay. Yeah, no kidding. There'd be a mass crowd, you know? Yeah, there'd be at least half the town. Yeah, half the town in there. It's Evil Dead showing at an old movie theater. Like who wanted... On Halloween. Sounds fun. Sounds great. So technically, when you're watching the movie, she falls asleep as soon as they hit the seats. She sits down and knocks out. They're literally driving up to the cabin, which is in the first minute of the film or five minutes of the film. He goes off to commit arson in the meantime. He went to commit arson, came back, and she woke up with, how long was I asleep? Uh, fucking an hour and a half at least. <laughs> uh, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Two and a half stars 2022. Does this fever dream of a movie really expect me to believe his girl fell asleep within the first 15 minutes of people dead? <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm glad someone said it too. <laughs> Not even 15. This is the first five minutes of the film. Mm -hmm. Like they're rolling up to the cabin. That's in the first five minutes. She sat down and went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, that's very Riley of her, though. If I have a blanket and I'm horizontal in any capacity, yeah, I'm out. This is why I can't bring them, uh, blankets to movie theaters. I would, I would definitely fall asleep. Yeah, you'd waste money. I would waste money. I'd be paying for naps. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one out of ten stars from IMDb. 24 days until the end of this film. After reading reviews of this film, one might be under the impression that it is highly original. I have to admit, as there is no other film in existence that has bored me as much. The only thought-provoking thing about it is the runtime, 113 minutes. I'm speechless. <laughs> it is a longer movie. Yeah. It can be a little bit grueling if you're not interested in this movie. You kind of have to be invested. You kind of have to kind of to get into it, you know? Just let it happen. And the director's cut's longer. Oh my god. I do want to watch the director's cut cuz because of the watership down. I want to see that. That actually does sound interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Two and a half stars from 2019. Sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. <laughs> not not nearly as bad as I remember it being. It was really funny actually and it helped watching with someone else to discuss theories and things. Far less confusing. I still don't like Jake Gyllenhaal at all and <sighs> Sharita deserved better, but I'm bumping my original score of this way higher than it was. So take that for what it is, I guess. I doesn't like Jake Gyllenhaal the actor or this character? Actor, I'm assuming. That's 
Hmm. Charita did deserve better, though. Yeah, she did. She That was so sad when she dropped the binder. No, that was sad. That was a sad little... That made me more sad than anything else in this movie. Yeah. They're everyone's so mean to her. And racist. Yeah. <laughs> They're, like, awful to her. It's really bad. Like, she did deserve better. She deserved way better. If they were going to do that to her, she needed to have served a little more narrative purpose if they were going to treat her character so badly. Yeah, or, like, let her have a win at the end, at least, you know? It's something. Yeah. It is way better to watch. You need another person in the room when watching this. I mean, if you like it, don't need that, then you don't need it. But, like, if you're watching the first time, have someone in the room. Have someone share this crazy movie with you, you know? Yeah, exactly. Two and a half stars from 2022. I always seem to forget how old Jenna Malone is. It's always nice to find her in movies unexpectedly. I'm clearly on the minority here. I liked the concept and I feel like this had the potential to be the masterpiece everyone claims it is, but this feels a little pretentious and even boring at times. I watched the director's cut, so I'm not sure if that was a good idea. I think I should give this another chance, but at the same time, I don't want to watch it ever again. Well, <laughs> also, this opening line, I always seem to forget how old Jenna Malone is. Jesus. Well, like, to be fair, like, she does not age. That woman does not age. Oh, that's what they're saying. Like, yeah. Okay. I thought they were just, like, digging at her for no reason. No, no, no. I just love it. They're, they're, like, they want to watch. Like, they want to understand it, but they also never want to see it again. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Understandable. Understandable. Yeah. I can see how that movie gives you that dilemma. Yeah. And they watched the director's cut, too. Dang. One out of ten. Twin Peaks with Bunnies from 2007. I think this is one of those Emperor's New Clothes films. The director puts a lot of vague stuff together, stuff that hints at meaning but never actually gets there. And hey, presto. Soon, film buffs are arguing all over the place about what this or that means or symbolizes. And before you know it, the word genius and masterpiece are being bandied about. Sorry, but for me, the words have, have got to be self-indulgent and crap. I got this at a sale in, in my local Woolworths for just two... Pounds. pounds. Got an English person. Yeah. British. British. <laughs> but as far as I'm concerned, that was two pounds too much. About halfway through, I felt I'd been sitting there for at least seven hours. So perhaps the director knows more about time distortion than Grandma Death did. Oh my god. That's, okay, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. This movie, if you hate this movie, this movie's gonna be long. This movie's gonna be long if you hate it. I get it. And I, I understand the first part too. Like, it's not hard to get the words genius and masterpiece thrown around about an art artsy artsy fartsy movie yeah it, it yeah i get that too like i wouldn't say that this movie is genius or masterpiece but i love it but it is what it is <laughs> it is what it is it's its own thing but not those things <laughs> yeah so i get it you can have a conversation with someone who absolutely hates it and you're like i get it i totally get it i'm just cool enough to get the vibe that's it yeah exactly <laughs> two and a half stars from 2021 on letterboxd donnie darko notes donnie is scary as hell <laughs> why is discount joe jonas smoking cigarettes and harassing women's <laughs> smurf conspiracies question mark question mark question mark oh word donnie is played by jake tylenol <laughs> <laughs> and then they put the quote he told me to forcibly insert the lifeline exercise into my anus and then they say ashley tisdale spencer, spencer? <laughs> And then lastly, they say, please try the Southwest egg rolls from Chili's. <laughs> that shit's so funny. <laughs> True, those are good. Those are great highlights. I love them. Those are great highlights for this film. I know. I was like, Jerry Trainer. <laughs> what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Action Man. <laughs> Action Man. Oh my God, it's John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's Jerry Trainer. <laughs> that is so funny. One out of 10 from IMDb titled Should Have Been Called Ronnie Crapo from 2003. Spoilers? Maybe <laughs> this film was in a word. I Awful. Know. I don't know if this is spoilers or not. <laughs> This film was in a word awful. It was nothing but a long, excruciatingly tedious build-up to an answer about what this jerk steal is. Is he a psycho killer? Is he a good kid? A bit of both? <laughs> Who gives a rat's ass? Why did <laughs> Why did the characters have so many classic psycho nutcase facial expressions? To lead on the viewer and to surprise us? What a load of junk and a waste of our lives to watch this. I rented this DVD because of all the rave reviews and because Jake Gyllenhaal has been very good in other films. I like different indie type films, but the ratings for this design has me totally perplexed rent it and decide for yourself but please vote if you don't like it and give it a one out of ten it's called action call to action <laughs> i love it make sure you're heard see a psycho killer a kid a good kid a bit of both i don't think you can i don't think you can if you're one of them you're, you can't can't be both 
can't be both, no, you dude. Can't. But either way, they don't give a rat's ass. <laughs> they don't so. care. They don't care. God, that's so funny. This is a great movie. Spoilers? Maybe? I don't maybe. know. This movie's confused me. The spoiler is that the film's bad, apparently. <laughs> could you spoil this movie? I don't think you can. I could have read the plot summary, and you would still watch it and come out confused. So, like... Yep. I don't think I'm going to take any way, anything away from you by spoiling or quote unquote spoiling because I don't know what I could spoil about this. I could tell you the ending, but you're going to be like, I still how how <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean? I had to look at the link that I literally quoted stuff from because I still didn't have enough information about what happens. Even the person writing the explanation was like, I don't know. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> the director said this was the answer. I don't know. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> they were like, this, this is what he said. I'm not I'm not making anything these are his words these are his words i'm telling you (laughs) (laughs) okay two and a half stars from letterbox 2016 i think this is a bad movie that i can't help but be seduced by i'm just going to give most of the credit to michael andrew's score that's a good way to put it this is a bad movie but you like it you know there's something about it hey (laughs) there's something about it one out of ten from imdb titled terrible from 2003 it's a shame this movie didn't get a proper cinema release if it had it wouldn't appear in the top 250 the only way to truly understand the plot is to read the time travel book bundled in the dvd special features how poor is that this easily clears everything up and reveals the plot is that clever not really because anyone could write a story that nobody would understand unless having it explained to him dismal dull darko one out of ten okay i get why they're annoyed by that i'm annoyed i'm annoyed and i'm not i'm not gonna do it i'm not committing to that but i am annoyed that you have to do that in order to understand it fully and i just don't care if i understand it and then even after that you're like i mean okay that wasn't in the movie it's not like it it all clicks together you're just saying shit that wasn't in the movie yeah you could have said anything you could have said anything and that's kind of how it feels two and a half stars on letterbox from 2021 donnie darko starring seth rogan <laughs> look at the title of the next one <laughs> it's very good i love that oh my god um, <laughs> the next one, is it a one, one star of- i feel like that should be a 10, 10 out of 10 star title we'll see we'll see <laughs> um one out of 10 from 2002 on imdb titled <laughs> i don't know if that was enough pause but yeah you get the idea <laughs> i received the strangest email from a friend of mine she said she didn't usually pass along the names of movies she hated but since she had seen a real louse of a movie and had later found it was getting several good ratings on this database she encouraged me to see it and submit a rating it was without a doubt the dumbest thing ever committed to film i rented it watched it and immediately wrote her back to confirm her opinion and then wrote this narrator setting characters plot theme as we're taught in high school zero five one negative ten zero next time someone wants you to try something like this hire james cameron ridley scott or if you can't afford those two david cronenberg at least they can make the implausible seem plausible why wasn't um christopher nolan included in that list and why was james cameron on there why did they is my question david cronenberg dirty like oh if you you have no money get david cronenberg (laughs) like that's rude (laughs) i guess in 2002 he was probably a cheaper director to hire than james cameron of titanic true they're still they're still expensive to this day yeah but i don't think james cameron could have made this make sense no i don't think anyone could this was maybe nolan or lynch maybe yeah okay this would have been right up their alley i see what you're saying they give the plot a negative 10 (laughs) so fucking funny (laughs) two and a half stars from 2022 on letterboxd this movie was fuck ass (laughs) (laughs) love it And then the last review I have is a 10 out of 10 titled, What's This Life For? from IMDb from 2006. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to choose another path in life? Why are we here? Donnie Darko touches upon the inertia of life and choice. I have seen this picture many times and each time it opens new questions and it reveals new ideas birthing a new experience. I love thinking movies and this has proved to be a delectable brain food. A six foot rabbit leads Donnie down the faded rabbit hole. What seems as nightmares await him at every corner, grasping at the threads of his being. Being is the variable in time that ever constant. Perception is a toy that being plays with and it is never the same for any two souls. If you've ever felt the pool of choice and fate, you'll enjoy this picture. Yeah, I can tell this person likes the movie. <laughs> Suck in this movie's dick. Yeah. They're sounding like the movie. <laughs> Even as a teenager, I wouldn't be like, do you love the idea of being able to start off? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I'm glad they liked it. This is a very Donnie Darko fan take. Did Donnie Darko write this? Did Donnie Darko write this? 
I love how they said it's brain food. This person's in it. This is like so far on the other side of the spectrum. <laughs> From what we just read. <laughs> yeah. But like, I love this movie. I would never say this. About this movie. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> I would <laughs> I would never say such nice or I would never be this into the movie and I like it. <laughs> no. I think this movie is very much about not having a choice. Yeah. No kidding. Like you're stuck in this tangent universe that you have to get out of and the only way to do that is to die. Like that's pretty, you don't really have a choice, do you? No. And you're, what this movie shows me too is that like Donnie is the sacrificial lamb. His path is inevitable. Yeah. It's prophecy. He has no choice. Yeah. He has no choice but to, but to end where he does. What are you talking about? That's the whole thing. Yeah. Like what are you talking, what are you talking about? I don't think they got it. No, <laughs> I don't think they did. I'm not saying I did, but I know I did more than they did. But also, like I said, you don't have to understand it to enjoy it. That's the whole thing. Yeah. That's the whole thing. So we can. They misunderstood and they loved it they misunderstood it they misunderstood what i understood about the movie yes the bare minimum the bare minimum but if you had to rate donnie darko out of 10 what would you give it i would put like a 6.5 i enjoyed it it's got its issues but again it's a vibe of a movie it's fucking weird it's funny it's cringy it doesn't make sense at times yeah i think i would say like a seven and a half okay the vibes at least have always stuck with me with this movie weirdly kind of a comfort movie for me yeah do you have anything else you want to say no i think i think i've said everything about donnie darko <laughs> only so much you can say yeah so if you have any suggestions for us like movies to watch or you have any criticism or feedback for us you can reach us on our instagram at easy Bake takes we also have a tiktok at easy Bake takes and we post our transcripts of our episodes on our website easybaketakespodcast.com as well as review overviews that we also post on letterboxd where you can follow us and don't forget to share us and follow us wherever you listen and leave us a rating or a review and thank you so much for listening my name is kat and I'm Riley. This has been Easy Bake Takes. Easy watching out there. Bye. Bye.